And welcome back to another episode of That's Orgasmic. You are joined by your host, Emily Duncan, and today we're talking about orgasms. We're going to center this conversation around vulva owners' orgasms. We're going to break down what is an orgasm? Are there different types of orgasms? How do we have an orgasm if we've never had one? What is the orgasm gap? How do we close this gap and why does it even exist? So we will be joined by Dr. Laurie Mintz. So please enjoy today's episode, Shaggers. Today I'm joined with Dr. Laurie Mintz, who is a feminist author, therapist, professor and speaker whose life work has been committed to helping people live more authentic, meaningful, joyful and sexually satisfying lives through the art and science of psychology. So welcome to the show, Laurie. How are you today? I am good. Thank you for having me on the show. So I just want to jump straight into orgasms, especially orgasms for vulva owners, because I know a lot of the shaggers out there who listen have a lot of questions. Are you able to break down what an orgasm is? Absolutely. So an orgasm is, I'm going to describe what it is basically biologically and then talk a little bit about what it feels like. Um, what's, what a lot of people don't know is that vulvas are chock full of erectile tissue, same as penises are. And what is erectile tissue? It is tissue that has special capillaries in it where when you're not aroused, it just flows in and out. But when you are aroused, the blood flows in, but not out. And all that blood builds up to a point of tension and then pelvic floor muscles, which is a huge group of muscles in your pelvic floor release the blood um, with a series of rhythmic contractions. Now, what I want to say is that's what, and at the point of orgasm, let me say this, a bunch of chemicals, neurochemicals are released through your body that make you feel bonded, happy, relaxed, serene. So that's what an orgasm is. And it feels good. That's the other thing. Um, I mean, what I just described is the biology, but it's a pleasurable, amazing feeling. But the other thing to know is every woman's orgasm feels different. And even an orgasm within a woman would feel different. One time it might feel like an earthquake. Oh my, a 10 on the Richter scale. And the other time it might feel like a little sneeze. Um, So that's what an orgasm is. Yeah, that's great. And I love the description, how it can change within someone's own body. I know I've had that. Some are amazing. Others you're like, oh, that was it. <laughs> like, right, it can change exactly. so much. Yeah. It depends on so many things, you know, that, and um, the other interesting thing, and we might get more into this, I don't know, but I think it's really important for people to know that the latest brain research shows that part of the conscious thinking brain turns off right before orgasm. And that's the same brain state you achieve in deep mindfulness meditation. What's the similarity? Having an orgasm requires not thinking. It requires you simply feeling, having mind and body in the same place and not thinking, do I look okay? Are they having fun? It requires you really turning off your brain, um, which is very hard for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely would be. 
what are the different types of orgasms that we can have? Okay, so I'm going to say I take issue with that question, not that mm -hmm. you asking it per se, but the, that question is in the culture at large. And let me tell you why I take issue with it. And the reason I take issue with it is because, and then I will answer the question, okay, is that we ask, we have been labeling women's orgasms for centuries, vaginal, clitoral, thought, breast, and that's fine, except for the fact of what we do with that. We then declare one is the ideal one. Vaginal is the best. That's what you often hear, right? So, and that causes women to feel insecure about their own reliable route to orgasm. So we don't do that with men's orgasms. We don't, we don't label them by the point of stimulation. Was it a blowjob orgasm or course orgasm. It's only women's orgasms that we label and then create a hierarchy now. So that's a picking apart of the question. Now, let me actually answer the question. <laughs> the answer is we don't know. Um, we don't know if and scientists are still debating and there's basically three camps. One says there are not different kinds of orgasms. They are all one type. They occur Via, no matter where the stimulation is occurring, the clitoris is involved. Even if you're stimulating yourself vaginally, the internal clitoris is involved. And they say it's really one, and it's always the same brain action. So they're saying there isn't different types of orgasms. You just get the same orgasm from different types of stimulation. Other, another camp says that, um, and, and that, that camp says, let's, the one I just described, interestingly, says, let's call women's genitals one unit. Let's not even break it down. And they suggest we call it the clitoris because that's the biggest orgasm. Orgasm. <laughs> that's true too, but the biggest <laughs> organ in our genitals. Um, the other camp says there are different types because, and especially vaginal versus clitoral, because women will say they feel different and the clitoris and the vagina go to the brain through a different nerve pathway, okay? And um, then there is a third camp that basically says, like, it's, it's, wait a minute, I lost my train of thought. It's early morning here. So the bottom <laughs> line, one camp says yes, one camp says no, because it, they're all clitoral, um, no, and the other camp is the one that says, well, let's call the entire, let's stop asking the question kind of like I did, mm -hmm. um, but not based on, you know, picking a part of the question, but based on the fact that we should really consider one women's genitals, one unit. So women have described orgasms for, from all kinds of stimulation. Some women can even think themselves to orgasm. Um, breast, you know, G-spot, clitoral. But the two things we know are that the clitoris is involved in most orgasms, no matter where we definitely know that. Um, and that we also know that the clitoris is the most um, reliable, easiest route to orgasm for most vulva owners.
So that was a yeah. very long-winded answer because we don't know. <laughs> I yeah. could have just said, we don't know. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really interesting though because I've never actually had someone say that women shouldn't have their orgasms necessarily separated because that doesn't happen for men. We don't categorize men's orgasms and I've never thought of it from that perspective. So I'm so glad you've said that because it's it's such a valid point and you always see articles here are like the eight different ways you can have an orgasm and it's all very centered towards women so yeah Yeah. I'm really glad glad you brought that up okay oh good I'm so glad yeah I mean there's so much um about how we center our sexuality around men when it comes to language like um if you know I talk about this in my book and in my TED talk we use the word sex and intercourse as if they're one and the same. And most women or people with vulva don't come from intercourse. We use the word foreplay as if it's just a lead up to the main event, even though that's the activities most likely to bring women to orgasm. And back to the, are there different types of orgasms? We call often, at least here in the US, I don't, I'd like to know about Australia. We call our entire genitals commonly a vagina. Yes, and by doing, yeah, okay. Well, by doing so, we are erasing linguistically the parts of ourselves that bring us the most pleasure, and we're naming our genitals by the part that gives men the most pleasure, not Mm -hmm. ourselves. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) Yes, yeah. Yeah. Now, I'd love to talk about the orgasm gap. Are you able to explain what this is? Because I know it is such a big issue and it definitely needs to be addressed. Absolutely. So basically the orgasm gap is the um, consistent finding in many, many studies. I mean, too many to even tell you about that when cisgender women, women born with people born with vulvas who identify as women, get it on with cisgender men, people born with penises who identify as men. We don't have enough research right now on trans or non-gender conforming individuals or gender fluid individuals. But when cis women and men get it on, the women are having substantially fewer orgasms than the men. Let me just illustrate it with a few studies. In one study of about 800 college students, they weren't asked the context of the sex. They were just said, when you're with a partner, like how often do you orgasm? 91% of men versus 39% of women said they usually or always orgasm. Whoa. Now that number is even bigger in hookup sex. Um, in the research mm-hmm. I've done, only 4% of women orgasm in first time hookup sex. Okay. Other it's studies crazy. have found it as high as seven. Ooh, you know, and the men are like, you know, 55 to 95 range. And then in relationships, it does close. It, it does lessen. Um, one study found, I think it was 68% of women versus 95% of men always orgasm. So it, the gap is biggest in hookup sex gets smaller and second time hookup gets smaller in friends with benefits, even smallest in relationships, but it never closes altogether. Women are having way fewer orgasms than men. And people will say, oh, well, women's orgasms are difficult or elusive. And that's not that that's not the issue, you know, and we know that's not the issue. Why? Because when women get it on with other women, they have more orgasms than with men. 
And when women pleasure themselves, 95% orgasm easily and within minutes. And at the risk of going on too much, I must tell you about the most fascinating study that really puts the nail in the, in the whatever you want to call it, to say yeah. this is a cultural problem with heterosexual sex. There was a study with bisexual women who had hookup sex with both women and men. Yeah. These, so this is the same person, right? So it'd be like me having a hookup with a woman versus a man. And these same women, when they hooked up with women, they orgasmed in the, I don't remember exactly, but it was like, I think around 85% of the time with men, first time hookup, 7% of the time. That so is that crazy. Te- yeah. Doesn't that underscore that the problem is the way we do heterosexual sex? Yeah, it definitely is. Like, and I, I can, I know myself, if I participated in a study, I'm 100% going to have the statistics like, like that. Like that is, it's, it's honestly sad. Like, it's so sad that that is the way it is. And it's so accepted as normal. Like, I know the conversations if I have with the women around me, they think it's, you know, acceptable to not have an orgasm, especially in first time sex. Like, I think if it did happen, it would almost feel like a miracle. Like, oh my God, (laughs) I feel. Right. Because yeah, we, is and tell me if this is the, the reason I believe there's a lot, but you know, I, I think in when we have heterosexual sex, we center the action around the penis. We center it around penetration even though when we pleasure ourselves less than one of us do so exclusively with penetration and and women say, Oh, I couldn't tell my first time partner about clitoral stimulation. It would be too pushy. And it's like, well, that's what you need. Why is it pushy? But it's Mm -hmm. like we revolve the entire encounter around this one event that is not likely to bring women to orgasm. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of women I know also do feel too scared to speak up they feel like they shouldn't have their needs needs met and it should be all for the man to finish in a heterosexual um hookup and I know that if the man didn't finish they feel shame around that oh what did I do wrong why didn't they have an orgasm like is it something wrong with me was I not attractive enough was I not good enough I'm sure men aren't having that thought process when women aren't orgasming because they almost expect us not to orgasm. They're okay with us not having an orgasm. Or or so many of us fake to make, make them feel better, right? Yeah, I can't but understand yes, you're that. Right. <laughs> yeah, that when, when, when women are asked why they fake, they say um, to get sex over with because not only are we not having orgasms, one study showed 60% are having pain and not saying anything. Mm-hmm. And that's for the same reason. They're not aroused enough. I mean, not all. There are some medical issues with pain, but so I can't make that blanket statement. But a big one is we rush to intercourse before we're, you know, ready. And um, it's just, you know, the whole thing just revolves around penetration and they fake to so they fake to get it over with women say they fake to make their um partner feel good about himself oh he did this to me with my penis isn't that wonderful he'll feel good about himself and i get nothing and um and to avoid appearing abnormal because here we are in 2021 and a lot of women don't even know 
about the need for clitoral stimulation when with a partner. And they think, I've had more than one young woman tell me, I think my vagina's broken. No, 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 your vagina's not broken. The culture is broken. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Do you think the way to close the gap then is through education? 100%. 100%. And the research bears that out. The Netherlands has much better sex ed than we do. Mm-hmm. And they start early. They talk about communication, consent, orgasm, pleasure, oh, the clitoris. And guess what? Their percent, their orgasm gap is much lower than countries like the U.S. Um, and I'm assuming Australia. Mm-hmm. I've not seen that data where we have terrible sex ed. Yeah, our sex ed is terrible. We have like one one hour class in in high school and that's it. Like, it's terrible. And what do they, do they teach you? Like here, they, they take, teach the boys about, they separate the boys and the girls and they teach the boys like about ejaculation. Okay, at least that's sexual. They teach the girls about periods. That's not sex ed. And then they tell you that it's really dangerous and horrible and awful and don't do it because you'll get pregnant or die. I mean, that's like the extent of our sex ed. Yeah, ours is basically the same. Like they, the probably most um, progressive thing they did was they pulled out a dildo and got us to put a condom on it with lube, which I thought was quite progressive when they pulled out the lube. But that was that was it, aside from literally periods. And I imagine the boys did ejaculation. We never actually got to hear about what they got when we were separated and then just a quick run over STIs don't get them not what to do if you do get them or breaking down the stigma around it it was all just very very minimal and basic which has not helped at like literally at all in my life like I've literally just looked back yeah yeah it's probably caused harm for a lot of people yeah yeah definitely are there any other ways that we could try and close the gap or is it just purely education? I think it's education and empowerment. Um, So education for sure, um, that would go a long, long way. But I think the message of that education or the message of that your sexual pleasure is equally important. I'm not trying to flip the tables and have us, you know, reverse the gap, but let's close it you know, and empowering women that their sexual pleasure is important. And I also think we have to call out and attack false media messages. Um, I mean, or have change in the media in most of the media that you see, if, if you see a woman orgasm, I'm talking both like not ethical porn necessarily, but like, like Pornhub type porn, um, And even mainstream like movies, if you see a woman orgasming at all, it is, she's like, there's very little fooling around. The penis goes into the vagina and she's instantly like, oh, you know, having this intense orgasm. And we need to start, you know, getting more realistic images. And there are people trying to advocate for that. Yeah, definitely. I think the media would play a massive role, especially for young women and men when that's all that they've watched is especially through movies, especially for young women who are too scared to watch porn and don't go down that path. If that's all they're seeing, it's literally straight straight away penetration. And if there is an orgasm, it's from penetration. Then it's not any of the other stuff. And like I feel like that's just so damaging for women to see because then they think there's something wrong with them when well, hang on, I saw this in all the movies. This is how my body should work. 
Exactly, exactly. For vulva owners who maybe struggle to orgasm or have never had an orgasm, do you have any tips or tricks to trying to reach that orgasm? Yeah, I do. Um, uh, first of all, first step, get a picture of a vulva, a simple picture labeled. I have one in my book, but you can find them. Just get it from a reputable source on the web, like, you know, not, you know, something reputable. Um, and take a mirror and find all your parts, okay? Because unless you, we have to take a concerted effort to look and appreciate the beauty of our vulvas. Once you know those, then buy yourself some lubricant and just touch, touch your clitoral hood, touch your inner lips, touch your mom's pubis. Um, when you get your mirrors and your pictures, you'll all know what those are. I won't describe them that way. You'll get curious, hopefully, and go look and just set aside some time and touch. Don't touch to orgasm because that's going to make it less likely. The goal to orgasm makes it less likely. Just enjoy yourself for about 30 minutes. Eventually, you'll probably come. If not, there are lots of tricks. Fantasize, mindfulness, and um, rocking your hips, moving your breath, moaning and groaning. Just experiment. And if I strongly recommend lube and a clitoral vibrator. Many, many women do not orgasm until they get their first vibrator. Now, people go, oh, no, then I'll get addicted. Then I'll need it for, you know, and I get those concerns. How, what do I do with a partner? Well, the, my answer is bring the vibrator in the room with you and your partner. It doesn't replace, they're not, the vibrator's not kissing you or, you know, laughing with you, whatever, and use it on yourself. Teach your partner to use it on yourself on, on you. And the research is really clear on this one. Women who use vibrators have easier and more frequent orgasms. And a male's acceptance of his partner's vibrator use is highly related to her satisfaction. I knew who myself was until I got a vibrator. That's when all the magic happened. And it makes it so I find I don't know if this if there's any evidence behind it, but I found found trying to have the first one felt like the hardest but once I broke that barrier it was much easier after that is that like a, a legitimate sure, thing that, yeah yeah because you you had the it took to get to the first one you had to relax you had to get comfortable with self-pleasure and you had to find out what you liked and every woman's genital nerves are acting differently so hence the need for communication with a partner even a new one or doing it yourself during partner sex. Um, so, you know, some women's nerves are, you know, just on the clitoral hood mostly. Others are to the right or some are to the left of the clitoris. So you've relaxed enough, probably. Tell me if this is right. You got comfortable enough. You found your sweet spots and now you know how to do it. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely accurate. Yeah, definitely. Especially just that's, a, I think, the most important thing, exploring your body and finding out what you actually like. Because the, and I feel like it's a probably like a lifetime journey because your body is constantly changing and your mind and what you like and don't like. So I can imagine it's a constant journey to like check in with yourself. What do you like? What are you you're not feeling as more? Yeah, beautiful, exactly. Like what you need today might not be the same. It'll thing as tomorrow. And as we change and grow and age our needs change and grow and age mm, yeah 
So our biggest pleasure organ is our brain. It's where all the magic happens. What can we do mentally to help us feel more pleasure? Well, I think there's two things. First of all, thinking, consciously thinking sex positive thoughts outside of a sexual encounter, like telling yourself, my body is amazing. It, look at this thing it can do, this orgasm thing. Look how I can walk or run or do yoga or whatever. Really thinking body positive and sex positive thoughts. You know, my pleasure is important. Seeking pleasure in your life in general and thinking that's a good thing. And talking to yourself. So sex positive and getting rid of those sex negative thoughts. Sometimes they're subconscious. You know, my pleasure is not important. Sex is dirty. Really working those that, that brain outside the bedroom and then inside of the bedroom, turning off that busy brain. So you're not thinking, how do I look? How do I feel? How does he feel? You know, and you really are immersed in the body sensations of the moment. And you can do that with a mindfulness, putting your mind and body in the same place, which I can come back to if you want, or fantasy to kind of think about something else to get your mind off of monitoring yourself or a combination. Yeah, yeah, that's great to hear. I would love to actually touch on the mindfulness because I think that's something that really helped me. So yeah, is there any tips with that? Yeah, absolutely. Mindfulness is sex's best friend, I say, because when you are mindful, your mind and body is in the same place. And let me, if have you ever ridden a roller coaster? You like yes. roller coasters? Yeah. Okay. No, I hate them. So, okay. So whether you like them or hate them, you can figure, you can learn about mindfulness from thinking about them. When you get strapped in, if you're anything like me, you're like, oh, why did I do this? I hope the strap doesn't break. I can't wait for this to be over. Or I'm really excited. This is going to be fun. Your mind's probably going a mile a minute. But, and it still is as you're climbing up. up, up, up. Oh, I hope this is fun. Oh, I'm a little scared. Oh, you know, I hope this is, you know, blah, blah. When you're right, then it go, you go downhill. You're not thinking anymore at all. You are simply feeling you might be screaming but you are feeling your body you are in the moment you're not thinking at all and that's mindfulness um and how do you learn it people you do don't meditation is a great way yoga is a great way but you can also learn it through daily activities just next time you brush your teeth you know feel the toothpaste in your mouth really focus on it. And here's the, it's not always being in the moment, having your mind and body in the same place. It's also noticing when your mind wanders and bringing it back. That's the key. So practice that in your daily life and then apply it to the bedroom. Yeah, that's, I can see how that would have a, a great impact in the bedroom because so many women and people in general are concerned, how do I look? How am I doing this? What's that person thinking? Oh, like, could I be doing better? Well, that doesn't feel great. If you just focused on that actual feeling, it would change probably everything and change sex so much more, especially if we can then tie that to speaking up and being like, hey, I really like this. And then putting it together. I can just imagine like that would be where all the magic happens. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. If somebody is concerned about their inability to orgasm, which I think is something, especially for young women, if they haven't had an orgasm yet, there's that concern that, oh my God, I'm broken. There's something wrong with me. I'm never going to be out of orgasm. If, is there a point when they should seek professional help or signs to look out for that they do need to seek a professional? Well, I think, you know, try the things we talked about here. Get um, There's several books that mine and many others I can list that can take you through the steps to try to um, experience orgasm. You know, give it a go and get a vibrator and some lube and you know, relax your mind, learn mindfulness, fantasize. And if it just isn't happening for you, then seek out a sex therapist. Yeah. What are the types of things that someone should, could expect when going to see a sex therapist? Well, first of all, they'll never get naked with you. Mm -hmm. That's important. It's, they'll never, you know, do anything like, They'll ask you questions. It's like any other therapy. They'll ask you questions about yourself, your history, your sex life, your concern. And then they'll give you homework assignments to do to help solve your problem. They might send you to a physician for a medical workup. There are a few medical things and medications that can inhibit orgasm. So that's important to rule out. Is there anything else that you just wish people knew about orgasms? Um, that's a great question. Oh, I I do have one thing, um, more explicitly to say, you know, we talked about masturbation. We talked about mindfulness. We talked about fantasy. Um, but we took, it's important that for vulva owners, the most essential step to orgasming with a partner is getting the same type of stimulation you get alone. Now that's not rocket science, but it's the most essential, but underutilized advice We might touch ourselves one way alone and expect to come completely different with a partner, especially a male partner. And doing that requires changing the cultural script, if you will, um, from foreplay just to get her ready for intercourse, intercourse, sex over, you know, game over, to turn-taking scripts. You know, you oral sex for you where you come, then intercourse where he comes, vibrator stimulation where you come, you know, or an intercourse where he comes or flipping the switch, she comes second, you know, you fool around enough till you're really aroused enough for intercourse, have intercourse, then use your hands or your vibrator on yourself or touching yourself during intercourse, coming together at the same time, but during the same act, how by touching yourself by using a vibrator during intercourse. So we need to change the cultural scripts and have them be much more turn-taking um scripts yeah I think even going into sex without a set script is so important because we currently for so many people they have that script we'll have two minutes of foreplay and then go to intercourse and that's it we won't stop during intercourse or if we are going to stop and no one's had an orgasm we're not going to continue by using other methods like sex is just going to end there and I think it's quite a it's not a helpful script for anyone. So I think taking, just going into it for purely trying to seek pleasure and being, you know, open and wanting to do different things and not stick to the mainstream script was super important. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
If any of the shaggers out there are wanting to learn more, where can they find your content? So you can find me on um, my what more about me on my website, which is www.drlauriemintz.com. So D R L A U R I E M I N T Z.com. Those are Dr. Lori Mintz is also my handle on all social media channels, um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and there's links to those um, social media channels from my website too. Yeah, awesome. And my books, my book, I have a book called The Tired Woman's Guide to Passionate Sex, which is for women struggling with low desire. And the book we've talked about today, which is available in Australia, is Becoming Cliterate, Why Orgasm Equality Matters and How to Get It. And I'm very proud to say that um, two studies published in peer-reviewed scientific journals find that people who read them make changes. Women who read them become more orgasmic, more desire, more communicative, more assertive, less sexual pain, better body image, and men who read becoming cliterate, let go of damaging myths around sexuality and the importance of their penis and learn more about the clitoris and sexual communication. Now, I don't know what you lot think, but that was an amazing conversation. And I think Laurie made such a great point when she questioned why are we categorizing our orgasms, especially for those who identify as women? Why are we saying here's all the different types and why are we putting an emphasis that vaginal orgasms are the best? Not even the best, the most important. And you always hear women like, why can't I orgasm vaginally? What's wrong with me? And why do we have such an emphasis on this vaginal orgasm through penetration when our clitoris is right there and honestly the clitoris is like this gateway to so much pleasure and obviously everyone has different experiences and their bodies work in different ways and we all experience pleasure differently but I just felt like that was such an interesting point and I think something that I'm definitely going to take away from this. Now, as always, Shaggers, please reach out with any comments, questions, or stories through my Instagram, That's Orgasmic, or my email, emilyduncan at thesealedsection.com. I know, I haven't updated it yet. I would love for you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts as well, because it makes a world of a difference. So, thank you, Shaggers, for listening in, and I will see you right here next week. (laughs) 